I'm David Madsen, and this is Primetime 89, a chance for me to visit and talk story, check in and catch up with classmates from a generation ago, finding out how they're doing, where they are, how they got there, and what experiences they've had along the way. In this episode, I'm talking story with Jennifer Holmberg, who I knew as Jennifer Trinidad back in high school. As the eldest in her family, Jen embraced her role as a mature, responsible daughter and older sibling, and eventually a mother of three. In a sense, she may seem like the reluctant, and I'm doing that with air quotes, caregiver that rose to her calling, finding her purpose in life, providing care for children and families beyond her own. Hey, how you doing? Good. Where where are you right now? Palapa District Park. I love coming to this park. Is that a big monkey pod tree that you're under? Yes, it's like a big tree underneath. I usually go up further, but um, they're having a baseball game. Uh huh. It overlooks into like the stadium and down below, and it's so quiet. So I I really do like coming here. It took an hour and a half for my massage, mind you. So I was like, okay, I can't make it home. So why don't I just come to the park? <laughs> so you just got a massage? They're necessary nowadays. I always <laughs> put it on my list of things like, but I bet if I got it more often, I'd be a much happier person. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so we have a friend. She's just learning. She's getting her certificates. So we're kind of like her guinea pig sometimes. And I don't mind driving all the way from the North Shore to Kaneohe for it. It's worth the drive, huh? Exactly. Yes. Jen grew up with all the responsibilities of being the firstborn and all the privileges of being the favorite. What was growing up like in your family get togethers? I am the oldest on both sides of my family. So I'm like I'm the oldest grandchild. I'm the oldest child. There's six of us. Mm-hmm. in my family girls all had an american middle name and a hawaiian middle name mm-hmm. and the boys only had american names there's three sets of us but the girls are always the oldest in the sets mm. i i don't know how my parents did it, but um it was interesting so there's like me and then a year later my brother uh-huh. and there's a seven-year gap Ooh. and then there's my i know right and then there's a there my middle sister, and then a year later my middle brother, mm-hmm. and then another seven year gap. I don't know what happened. Wow, wow, you, and, you know. Yeah, and then it's the last set. It's the my youngest sister and my youngest brother. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I tried even ask they they just don't know, and I'm like, why the seven year gap? I don't know. Okay. But it, it's so interesting. Inadvertently, I like said I would never be like my parents and have that many kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had three sons. I made a gap for them as well. Like I did a four-year gap between them because, and I planned my kids. <laughs> Jen, bless your, bless your heart because, you know, it makes sense when you do it that way. I mean, I, I love having my kids around, but you know, there's that time where, oh my gosh, I just need some peace and quiet and, and whatnot. But I guess that then I'll like call up Wendy or something and say, I need a dinner out. We need to, I need to just leave. <laughs> so yeah. so your your siblings there's 
somewhere in the neighborhood of like to 16 years between you and your youngest? The youngest brother and I are 19 years apart, actually. What was the, the relationship like between you and the one next to you and then cluster number two? I would have to say that the brother right under me, it's always been a, a competition and it's always kind of been like the good and the bad. <laughs> so me being the oldest child, as well as the oldest daughter, I was like put on this pedestal. So mm -hmm. I was like deemed the good child. And then my brother, he, I think, just went in the opposite direction of me. And he was just <laughs> the problem child. We were in Guam. My dad was heading this Japanese grocery chain or something in Guam. So from two years old to nine years old, we were in Guam. Mm -hmm. And we went to this private Catholic school. The nuns there, when my brother got in trouble, they would call me. I was just like a year older than him. Like I was called in second grade or something. And he brought like a magazine to school. <laughs> and I was like, what do you want me to do about it? He took a magazine to Catholic school. <laughs> yeah. See, how bad can you go? I mean... <laughs> they called me into the office and said this is what your brother did and I'm like okay call my mom kind of thing but <laughs> but all throughout it was um good and bad and I I feel for my brother mm -hmm. but I couldn't help it I mean I did everything you, you by the couldn't book help it if you were the favorite right uh, yeah but, like the middle set of kids unfortunately I don't even know their childhood I don't remember interacting with them much. And so while I was going through all kinds of things, they were still growing up. And then I was more of a mother figure to the younger set. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember with like when my younger sister was born and I was 15. Mm -hmm. And I was like so mad at my parents for having a baby. And at, I was in high school. <laughs> I did not even interact with her in the first two months or so, I wouldn't really? play with her. I wouldn't carry her. I wouldn't nothing until like one day they left me alone with her in the house and she started crying and I had to go and deal with it. Um, <laughs> when I was 19, my first year in college, my youngest brother was born and I was like even more mad about that. But <laughs> what can you do? It, it, it happened and they're terrific. I enjoy having the big family Mm -hmm. For me, actually, I don't think I could personally have more kids than what I have, but mm -hmm. I loved growing up in my family. There was so much to do and there was just so many different personalities. And maybe that's where I, I wanted to work with kids. Like it was fun. A lot of times my brothers and sisters actually tell me that I see the, the good. I think I looked at everything positively, like I was. My grandparents on my dad's side were um, the Hawaiian kind of part of us, and mm -hmm. they favored me kind of thing, too. And then my grandparents on the, my mom's side, Filipino, my grandfather favored me. So I guess I had the, the luxuries of both, and I uh -huh. saw the good in, in it all. <laughs> and I, I've seen that in various families too, where the oldest, sometimes are shouldered with the responsibility of helping rear their younger siblings. So that was it was, and I I have to say that I didn't finish college in the normal way because I had to help with the kids. My mom liked to like get part time jobs at the you know after work she would go to. It was called Liberty House back then, right? She was, I know she was Liberty House, yeah. 
I'm working at Liberty House. I'm like, what? So who's how? She goes, you're going to have to, you know, help with the kids. I go, man, she gets to leave. Like she's left all day at, from home to go to work. And now she's going to Liberty House to work till nighttime. I go, that means like the kids is left with me. I got to go to school. And then I come home and I have to deal with the <laughs> kids. And I go, oh gosh. But so I think that was my mom's way out a little bit, maybe. <laughs> at the time that I was starting to have kids, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even fathom six raising six kids and paying for six kids and mm. I don't even I had a much better understanding of my parents in terms of what they had to go through to to feed all of us at six kids and my goodness mm. I mean that's amazing what they did yeah and everything was less expensive back then but still the budget is what the budget is you know yeah yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. That's why I had to go to like my grandmother when I wanted stuff, you know, kind of thing. Oh, grandma, dad, then won't get this for me. Can you get this for me? And he's like, she'd always have it there. Because yeah, you were her favorite. Yep. Because I was the favorite. Even <laughs> <laughs> like if a dance at school and I needed a, diff- a nice outfit or a different outfit, then I would call them and said, oh, I can I get this outfit? They would get it for me. Thing, yeah. And I'd have to like, ease it into the household that my mother wouldn't find out a lot. <laughs> I talked with Jen about what it was like entering Kamehameha in middle school and what it was in seventh grade that really made her nervous. So what like, year did you enter Kamehameha? 84, seventh grade. Seventh grade, huh? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Kamehameha and from um, St. Elizabeth School in Iaea where I was top of the class. And then my mom sticks me into Kamehameha. And I swear in the interview, I said, I didn't want to go and I didn't want to be there. But they, <laughs> they still got accepted somehow. And then, then I was put into Kamehameha and I was no longer in a small classroom. And I was no longer the top of the class. And it was a lot of adjusting and making friends. And, you know, back then, I supported the whole uniform thing Mm -hmm. as they got older. Like my son went and I said, because my day-to-day dressing was so stressful as to what I'm going to wear to go to school. (laughs) And that was like the awkward stages. I swear that in seventh and eighth grade, I looked the most terrible. So what do you remember from your days at Kamehameha? Do you have any special or fond memories? You know, although I was really shy, in seventh and eighth grade, I just loved lunchtime. Double-edged sword, I loved it, but I also was like so nervous, especially like when you had to be the server or something and go get the food in the back. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I was so, I'd be dropping everything. That's in my head. I'm like, just two hands. I was so focused on getting it back to the table, like all still on top of the tray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because every now and again, there is somebody who drops something. And when that happens, the entire dining hall goes silent, right? Yeah, exactly. I didn't want that happening. (laughs) (laughs) Seventh grade was like that learning curve, right? That's your first year in Kamehameha. My first year Mm -hmm. in Kamehameha, I was like, okay. Um, But eighth grade, I went into soccer. That was hard. I didn't even realize how soccer was, but it was fun being a part of that whole team. It was, it was interesting to go to all those di- different schools playing soccer. And um, Zanetta was on top of my team, Suzanne. Yeah. Um, 
there was a whole bunch. But I remember Zanetta mostly because we, she was goalie and I was fullback or something because we were really fast runners kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep, I remember being in the background with her. Um, but I did enjoy that kinds of things. As I got older, I got a little bit more confident, but also mm -hmm. the, I really just kind of hid behind everybody, I think, throughout my high school years. Yeah. So what did what were you involved in uh, besides band in high school? I was involved in SAD, Students Against Drunk Driving. Mm -hmm. By the time that we were seniors, I think I was like the secretary. Pep squad? Pep. Yeah. We were there. But I, I don't think I did a lot of things until mid-junior year. I think that's when I got a little bit more confident. We did a lot of stuff outside of school together. Oh, like, like what? Oh my goodness. You remember those Waikiki, I mean, Kuhio Avenue, those, you stay in those long lines of cars back in the day at 11 o'clock at night or something. And you're just in this crawl. Uh, yeah. That was the thing to do. Just be in traffic to there. To yeah. see and be seen. <laughs> We did that. Um, and it was so bad because my dad was so strict. Uh -huh. So I had to be home by a certain time. And um, I think Cara and Michelle were the drivers. And uh -huh. they would always try to get me home like by midnight. Uh -huh. Even if it was like cutting off out of the out of the lineup of cars and getting me home all the way to Pro City by midnight. Because my dad would ground me like one week for every minute. Wow. Yes. And you he would be strict. waking up. He's like be sitting there. Like once I open the door, he's like sitting there and um, he goes, oh, you're it's 12.01. I go, oh my gosh. <laughs> the first time he did it, then, you know, it's that's the way like with my family is if I get in trouble, I'm not going to repeat it. So the first time he grounded me for one week after for every minute, Oh, I learned, like, I even said, okay, I can go out, but I really need to be back home for this time because my dad's going to ground me. Roughly earlier than later, because if his watch is miscalibrated, then, yes. you know. I had yeah. to look at his watch before I, like, I had to calibrate mine to be the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we tried the dances at the other schools and everything. I had a lot of Damien friends still, too, so it was all good. For the most part, I would like to say that I enjoyed my high school years. How do you remember yourself as a as a student back in high school? In my group of friends, I was always the quiet one. It was fun to be around like people like Cara and Michelle Delima and because they were so exciting. And I think in the background, I didn't feel that exciting kind of thing. So it was good to be around them when I grew up. So what was the connection between you girls? We what were in band. Band, okay. Back what instrument did you play? Well, I played the clarinet, mm -hmm. but we were all in the color guard, right? Because, you know, back then the band was, if you're a girl, then you would be stuck in the color guard. <laughs> Unless you were really exceptional at your instrument. I remember what sophomore summer we went to uh, Europe, but I did have a little bit of aloofness too, because like I wouldn't go out with any, or I didn't even talk with any public school people, I think. 
and my ex-husband now he would he went to public school mm-hmm. but if i saw him when i was in high school i probably wouldn't have given him the time of day like with my family i was the only one that went to private school mm-hmm. my other brothers and sisters went to public school what are some things that haven't changed about you since high school oh i'm still like the nice girl i believe that <laughs> I think I'm still a little bit naive to this day, but I'm a little bit more aware of it, right? Back in high school, <laughs> I was not aware of it at all. So if I think I'm still naive now, oh my goodness, I, I think I looked at everything with rose-colored glasses back then. Like nothing could go wrong or, you know, there's always a reason for something. And I think I'm, I'm still that kind of person. Maybe you're just more, you know, rather than being you know, naive, if, if you feel you were like that in high school, maybe you're just, you know, the optimist, you know. Part of a lot of the planning that goes on with things that happen in the class, as long as I help, that's all that matters. My son, he teaches me, he's not afraid to be who he is. People love him mm-hmm. just for who he is. And if I could have recognized that maybe in, in high school, Maybe I wouldn't be so timid or I wouldn't be so, you know, shy of, of anything. I look at him and he's like, nope, I don't care what they think, mom. And in my head, I was like, man, I wish I had that when I was your age. <laughs> that, that self-confidence or. Yeah. Self- I look at that. I go, man, makes me ad- admire him because of that. Yeah, I still have all my class t-shirts. We had class t-shirts. Yeah. You know, our homecoming t-shirts. Oh, okay. I like wear them all the time still. Really? Yeah. Then, so they're not like worn out or with. No, clothes. they're they're actually really good, and I like wear it in my son's go mom, and I go. And, well, I only like wear it around the house. They're they're like thirty five years old, and and yeah. they're, they're still like in wearable condition. I, huh? Well, I guess maybe I think I that's great because I still fit it, but you know it's. <laughs> <laughs> Was there ever a teacher that you can think of that you remember from high school? Love like Mr. Tiffany, the psych teacher. And I think that's where um, well, I'm in I'm in psychology now. So he always had such words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I could go to his classroom on any time, even three periods, and just hang out and talk with him. Was there was there ever an experience? back in high school that you can remember that that really shaped who you are today because you know i did everything i was supposed to do Mm -hmm. so the only the one thing that stuck out was when i didn't do what i was supposed to do Mm -hmm. and that was when i was like having an argument with my boyfriend and you know you're up on the hill and there's no place for you to go and i skipped class to go to midkiff and i hung out with the boyfriend and we were talking but and i just stayed on campus then um, the next day, I went back into class and uh, like the teacher didn't excuse it. And my counselor, the class teacher, as well as my parents, just for one, one, I missed one class. It was Japanese. So, <laughs> I missed one class. And the whole thing was like every teacher, every administrative person was there. And like the whole question was, 
why did you skip class? Oh my gosh, I had an argument with my boyfriend. That's what it was. And, the, but you know, that kind of thing was so like, so I, I didn't do anything wrong after that. I like, like I said, I, I learned from my mistakes and I never do it again. I never skipped the class after that. And so what I said was, well, I just wanted to see how it would be because they weren't believing in that I had a argument with my boyfriend or anything it was a stupid lame excuse right oh, I had an argument with my boyfriend so I, I just said well I just wanted to see how it was because my record was like spotless and you know I had all these people that were there inside of my meeting and my parents and I'm like oh I just wanted to try, <laughs> I just wanted to try it it's a special person who's driven to work with children and family going through abuse and neglect an advocate for children with special needs. But it's Jen's calling, and she shares her motivation with us. Helping people and helping kids is my passion, and I got my master's in ABA, so Applied Behavior Analysis, at Capella over in Minnesota. Okay. Actually, so tell me, what do you do for a living? I deal with child abuse and neglect right now. I work for a nonprofit. I'm one of the supervisors that we get the moderate level child abuse and neglect cases from the state. Mm-hmm. So I supervise maybe about eight of the case managers. And yep. our offices are in Kalihi. I live in Wailua, like right by Haleiwa. Oh, ooh, so you have to go in with traffic every day. With traffic. Yeah, traffic. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get the traffic. Thankfully, with COVID, we've been working a lot remotely. So I'm hoping that we keep the hybrid work thing. I go in like once a week. So I'm all good. Yeah. So your job, does it involve domestic violence stuff too? It does. Mm -hmm. Domestic violence, sexual abuse, mental health, parenting through divorces and everything, substance use and everything. It deals with all of that. I love talking with my case managers, even accompanying them on visits. I, oh my goodness. I go, if you guys need me to come, I'll be like open. I'll meet you there because I think I miss that being in management. I miss doing that one-on-one kind of service with the families. Really, I wanted to focus on kids with behavioral disorders. My kids were the driving force of that because they're ADHD. They were misunderstood when they were growing up. No one knew about it back when they were growing up 20 years ago or so. And what should be done and how can you help a kid in school or in general, just in life? So I got my degree in that. And now I see the need for like more education on that topic or having parents understand that you can't compare raising a kid with ADHD or autism or aggressive behaviors or You know, all these other things that are diagnosed, you can't take normal parenting practices and put it through. You, There is some kind of difference. So that's what I'm headed towards, I think, is more of that. Well, good for you if there was people out there who knew about that, you know, who, who could explain the situation or if the system was designed to accommodate that. How do you see yourself, you know, getting involved in that? My whole thought is to do parenting classes with 
the specific disorders because it's a joint effort. The kids have to participate as well as the parents have to participate. So if if it's a class for just parents, mm -hmm. then I would like them to bring their kids in. And then if they need then have a separate class for the kids to have coping skills or, you know, to learn strategies that doesn't have to end with, okay, my child needs to be on medicine. I mean, my middle son fought me for tooth and nail to take him off his medicines. And then to help them bridge the gap in schools, because schools need to know it, teachers need to know. I struggled with it when my middle son was doing it. He was more on the ADD, but the resources that he had available, they were hard to find to get him to be in a smaller class or maybe to take his test in the classroom and do it separately where he could focus a little bit more since he didn't want to be on his medicine. There was avenues, there's options. And that's what I wanted parents to know is that there's options out there and there's ways to talk with the school. And eventually we did, you know, they, they said, okay, well, he can take his test with the counselor. I go, okay, yeah, but there needs to be more of a behavioral health kind of issue here. They were lucky in elementary school because I was teaching. So if they needed their medicine, I was there at school. Or if they needed to sit down into an area and take a test, you know, the teachers were going, okay, Jen, why doesn't he take the test in your room? And then, you know, when he's done, he can come back into the classroom. Mm -hmm. And in the private school that he went to down in Wailua, it was just small enough that even the kids understood that he had this kind of disorder mm -hmm. or, you know, his behaviors are a little bit different. So it was accepting to them in the school. Mm -hmm. But when they got into a whole different realm into high school and everything, it became a different matter. If you start a parent and a child learning it together, and I feel that because they got to learn it together, they know their kids the best. And, and it's important to get the parents buy-in and participation. Yeah. I mean, they care. Yeah, and if, and if you have them learning together, if the parent has questions, you know, things can be adjusted. There's always something. There could be coexisting things that they have, you know, symptoms and bringing their teachers involved in it kind of thing. And that's where I kind of wanted to go into. So, yeah, I did go ahead and apply for a business license and I went ahead and did this. And I think at this rate, we're turning 50. It's a new chapter kind of thing. I've just gone back to school to get my license for marriage and family therapy. So it is, I think it encompasses a lot. What I would love to do is like, I want to be able to give these families like a one-stop shop. And they go, what do you mean? I go, like the opportunity to not have to go from one place to another place to another place to another place just to get their child help or get them help kind of thing it, it would be nice if they came to one place i do want to do all that in order to put a business together or provide a service there's got to be a need and it sounds like you found a need there that would benefit from being filled you know, with the i'm hoping i think so sounds like it to me <laughs> <laughs> what are you waiting for I know, I know, I know. We'll we're 50, we're not getting any younger. I know, that's why. I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta get going with this. Jen talks family, and as hard as she works, she shares her hallmark way of finding balance.
You know, what's really good though, is be, while I was married and having kids, I stayed in touch with maybe a cluster, maybe a five, like five people. Sure. It wasn't until I got divorced where um, the class actually opened up a little bit more, or I got more involved yeah. and they encouraged me. And it, it was so great to see that I could come back to, or I had that even though, you know, I didn't talk to them for 10 plus years kind of thing. And, you know, the, it kind of was a saving grace at, after the divorce because there was those still people there mm-hmm. and I could talk with them and they made me feel great. And they, you know, it was good. So I appreciate that now of our class. I saw that you had your last name changed. Right. So I have kept my last name because I have three sons. Mm-hmm. So they're always going to be that name. And I was also teaching in the same school that they were going to. Got so it. it saved them from a lot of explanation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Nowadays, I think they're all, they're growing up now and everything. And they're now two adults and one teenager. He's going to be a junior. So uh-huh. I was like, man, maybe it's time to change back to my other name. But yeah, okay. so I kept the last name. So tell me about your sons then. They're all four years apart okay. and they are two weeks apart in their birthdays. Um, all of them actually were premature. Oh, really? So like my oldest one was born at 30 weeks. Okay. Matthew was born at like two pounds, 10 ounces. And you know, when you're 25 and stuff, you're like, you don't need the doctor's warnings, like stay in bed. When they say stay in bed now, if I, if I knew what I knew back then, I would have stayed really, I would have stayed in bed. Instead, I was like having lunch with Taryn Tomasa and mm-hmm. all those people. And I was, should have stayed in bed. Um, <laughs> and then the middle son, Mark, was born at 33 weeks, three pounds, something ounces. But Micah came at 36, so it was got it got better. Uh-huh. And then Micah was the only one that came out at a little like just making five. Yeah. And wow. they were small babies. So the others had to stay in the NICU until I got to take them home at four pounds, though. Wow. That that must have yeah. been something like it, uh, you know, yeah. precious cargo there. Very, very delicate. Yeah. So like when the youngest one was born, I was, and he was at five, I was like, oh my gosh, there is no way I can take him home. Like I can literally go home with a baby this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, how big are they now? They're all good. They're um, the biggest one right now is the youngest. He's a big boy. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas the middle one is kind of taller and thin. Matthew is still on the small side. Um, but he's kind of on the short, but they're all healthy. They're, they came out not really needing anything but to gain weight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, our doctors were really good and they were proactive as they got along. Mm-hmm. After the third one, the, the, my doctor was saying I was pushing it at that one and that there's nothing else. I go, yeah, okay, I got it. <laughs> People go, okay, well, how is childbirth? You had three sons. I go, don't even ask me because like my sons were small. It's like, I don't know what childbirth is like. they're all diagnosed adhd Mm -hmm. all different stages of it so they were a handful 
Maybe some still, maybe they still are a handful, but no, they're like boys after a certain level, they don't even need their mom as much. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's always nice to see. That, that's where we want them to get to, right? Where, where we don't have to worry anymore. <laughs> so how many of them are with you still? The two youngest are still with me in the house. Um, but the oldest, he's in the army guard and he's over in Kauai right now. Well, what does your middle one do? My middle one is the only one that graduated from Kamehameha. Okay. Uh, so he graduated 2019. I was the class mom for all four years. The youngest one, he goes to Wailua High School. Okay. And he's in the top robotics program in the state. So he made his point. He literally started at Wailua High in seventh grade and made sure that I kept my promise that he could go there in seventh. Because that's when they start their robotics program. Whereas my middle one, Mark, who went to Kamehameha, was English. He likes okay. drama. He likes, you know, the, that kind of thing. The, the oldest son is just like the youngest. Math okay. and science is their forte. And yeah. they like that mechanical engineering kind of thing. Electrical mm -hmm. engineering. Oh, yeah. I'm there for support. <laughs> <laughs> I built a bubble I would say when I was married so it was really it was just him and the kids and my family your brothers and sisters so that was my life and then when my life got kind of turned around when I got the divorce mm -hmm. uh, how long were you married I was married for 13 years like we were together for 17 years though okay I had to rethink of what my life was going to be now that I wasn't a wife, but I was always a mom. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, I ended up finishing my degrees, ended up getting my master's, you know, building my life for me. And so when we discuss, like, it's my time to scale back on the mom duties. That's why I fight aging. I, okay. It's mom's going to go out to dinner now with auntie Wendy them and then they go, oh, okay, so we won't expect you home for like a couple hours. I go, yeah, I guess so. Don't expect me home for a couple hours. But I'm, I'm good with that now. And I think that's where my life is right now. Although I think I started late and I like what I do for the most part. I think I need to go in a different direction now. I think something's coming. I actually just met with one of the senator in terms of wanting to do the classes for kids and parents, you know, childhood disorders and disabilities sure. and how to go about doing it and what is the process kind of thing. So. Oh, very exciting. Tell me something you do to relax and unwind. Right now, currently to relax and unwind is I would go out a lot for dinners or, you know, ice cream something simple like that or I binge on TV that's kind of where I am now I love binging so what's one of the series that you enjoyed binging <laughs> well I have a lot of things inside of the DVR and of course you know I can sit and watch Hallmark Channel like all day long and just have it on continual play I'm sorry did you say Hallmark Channel I did Hallmark Channel my wife does that to me too. She just kind of puts it on and just wherever she is, whatever she's doing, 
there is the Hallmark Channel in the background. And you know it's a Hallmark Channel because it's the music and the banter. <laughs> I start watching Christmas movies like at October. We've got we've got nicknames for some of the characters. There's a ML Bean Town. Do you know what I'm referring to when I say? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then do you know who I who I am referring to when I say? Oh, the big guy. The big guy. There is a good-looking bigger guy. He's like tall and he's kind big. of muscular. Yeah. He played a chef or something in one of the. Yes, and he's kind of like rugged-looking, but not rugged-looking. Yeah, he's kind of like he's got a pretty face. Yes. He's, he's rugged looking and he's kind of sweet, but he could be like a tough yeah. dude if he wanted to be. Uh -huh. <laughs> he's the big guy. Just recently, and I think at the beginning of the year, I just got into um, Chinese dramas. Yeah. And it's the historical dramas, which is kind of interesting for me. So I eventually, I think it was one of those self-care moments. And I just wanted, okay, I'm going to try this. It was on Netflix. It was 63 episodes, and I think I binged it for like a whole week, and I finished all 63. They're like 45 minutes long. <laughs> I got so hooked on it. You're so invested in it yeah. because you're reading about it. But I realized that while I'm reading it, sometimes I have to go back and watch it a second time because I missed something. Okay. Can we talk about food? Terrible Hawaiian and Filipino mixture because I don't eat those foods. <laughs> so so no dinaguan for you? No dinaguan, no <laughs> peanut bit. It no nope. not even the peanut bit, huh? No. Hardly ever eat adobo either. Oh, that's was that was gonna be my next question. No, huh? Okay. All right. So I have to ask then, of all the fi Filipino dishes you, you're aware of, is there one there's gotta be? At Dessert. least one. <laughs> okay, throw out a, a Filipino dessert or two. So that you're, I don't you're even know what it's from. called. I thought I grew up calling it the binka. But, it, it, um, binka is a thing, yes. But they, it's the brown sticky rice. Cascaron? Or no, cascaron? Um, no. No, I guess some people call it pu, puto. I don't know. I call it the sticky rice, but... Um, <laughs> I'm a terrible Filipino, but um, it's like the brown mochi exactly rice mixed what, with yeah. brown sugar and coconut milk. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. My wife loves making it. I um, I know. Yeah. Okay, okay, I just keep mochi rice on the side now. Oh, and lumpia. Ooh, lumpia. Okay. The regular lumpia, banana lumpia, any special kind of lumpia? Well, banana ranks above all, but um, <laughs> um, I would say the pork and with the shanghai noodles instead Ooh, yeah 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 that's so that's about as filipino as i get i'm a stickler for desserts and sweets when i eat the dark chocolate i like to dip it into like peanut butter Ooh. yeah oh that's mm. so good are you much of a rice eater like i'll eat my beef stew with rice mm -hmm. or my dad used to make and i still make it to this day it's like this, uh, this beef, the beef shank, mm -hmm. and then you boil it, and it only has shoyu water and vinegar. Ooh. Yeah, so you boil all that in the shoyu water and vinegar, and it's like a vinegary, it, it's a soup, 
And so I usually have it on nice cold days. Oh, oh my goodness, that's so. You good. know, that almost sounds like adobo. I'm that's it, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you sure that wasn't your dad's way of sneaking adobo into his daughter's diet? No, it's it's a soup though. It's not. A, <laughs> it's like a soup. So I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Maybe he just called it. He called it soupo. So maybe he just took away the Filipino aspect of it or something and just substituted an American name. Oh, that, that is so funny. That is so funny. 50 is a good number. I think number. so. I don't, I don't feel 50 at all. <laughs> you don't look 50 at all. I think that's one of our gifts as, you know, Asian is to have a, you know, a youthful appearance and, and we all I agree I agree because like even people at work I'm like oh my gosh I'm getting so old and they go Jenny I'm not getting old at all and I go I'm like pushing 50 and they go you're not pushing 50 I go <laughs> I like to fight the aging of 50 but you know I'm still those sore ankles or whatever those joints and everything mm-hmm. you know they right. come into play every so often and I'm like oh man I'm do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you see yourself in 20 years? Um, hopefully in 20, I'll be close to retiring. But in 10, I really want to make, make that make that idea of mine come to fruition. So mm-hmm. I want it to be established enough for it to happen without me, kind of thing. Or that's what I, I want to see in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, 20 would be probably, you know, retiring and I hope I'm well and everything. Well, thank you so much for, for hanging out with me and talking story and stuff. Great connecting. And it just always reaffirms how easy and and comfortable and and meaningful conversations like this are. So I can show you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Primetime 89. I'd like to thank our guest, Jennifer Holmberg, for taking the time to talk story with us. I'd also like to thank everyone who helped put this together. Jamie Barboza and Nicole Yoshimitsu, Wendy Brown, and Kaylee Aquaro. And a special thank you to Drez, Dwayne Andres for the music, and Elizabeth Matson with production and editing. I'm your host, David Madsen. Be sure to like us and follow us at Primetime 89 Hawaii, where you can see photos of our guests with their stories and subscribe to get the latest updates and news of upcoming episodes. And join us again with another classmate on Primetime 89.